it would take a black swan to push the price below essentially what we bottomed out at in the $29,000 range on a daily close. It would really take something extreme. Hello there from Bedford, the Bitcoin mecca of the world. How the hell are you all? Are you all having a great weekend? I've got one final show to get out this month and what a month. We have smashed through half a million downloads. So thank you, everyone. First time I've done this for a month. Absolutely amazing. Love you all. Anyway, my name is Peter McCormack. Welcome to the What Bitcoin podcast, which is brought to you by Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. And today I've got my monthly update with Willie Wu, another trading show and looking at on-chain data. But before that, I do have a message from my show sponsors. Okay, so first up today, we're going to talk about Exodus Wallet and the timing is perfect. So I'm increasingly running my business using Bitcoin. I've decided to put a lot of the company profits into Bitcoin. I'm also getting paid in Bitcoin. I'm also paying people in Bitcoin. And I needed a wallet, specifically a desktop wallet. So at the end of the month, when I'm running my accounts, I can pay people, get paid and sort it all out. And when Exodus reached out to me, I took a look at what they were doing. I took a look at the product and I was like, yep, that's the one for me. They smashed the UX. It's got everything I need. Now, if you want to check out Exodus, it's very easy. Just head over to exodus.io, Google Exodus, or just search for Exodus in the Apple or Google app stores. Also, let's talk about Casa. We're in a ball run. People are making money. Are you making money? And have you got your security shit together? It was something I put off for a long time, and I've been with the company now for eight months. Absolutely love it. It's very, very difficult for me to screw this up now. My Bitcoin security is in place. I can't make mistakes myself. I'm not vulnerable to in-person attacks, device failure, and all the other things that Casa protects you with. Now, if you are interested in Casa, they do have a product out there for every Bitcoiner. With Casa Gold, you get triple the security of a hardware wallet, and that is only $10 a month. With Casa Platinum, you get their three of five multi-sig, and that is the best protection for large Bitcoin holders. And with Casa Diamond, you get their full badass service offering. That includes a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, their best in class in security. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. And also, we're going to talk about sportsbet.io. Did you watch Southampton yesterday? Did you see the Bitcoin logo on the front of their shirt? Now, sportsbet.io is doing everything they can to promote Bitcoin. They love it. I've even been out to Estonia to meet the team. They love Bitcoin. They want to promote it. They want to get everybody involved in Bitcoin. Now, if you are interested in sportsbet.io, they do have markets for every possible thing you can think of. American sports, football, tennis, motorsports. They even have esports. And for new customers, they always have a range of promotions available. Just head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions. And that is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. Okay, so onto the show today, and it's Willie Wu back for my monthly update with him where we look at everything that's going on in the market, what's happening with trading, what's happening on-chain. Now, last time I spoke to Willie, Bitcoin hadn't even broken 20k yet, and here we are sitting comfortably at 33k after riding it all the way up to 42k. It was a massive end of the year for Bitcoin, but also a massive start to this year, and now Bitcoin is consolidating and shaking out a few of those weak jelly hands. So in this one, I get Willie's take on what drove that cycle and what he expects to see next. We also get into some of the ways to spot the end of a bull market. 
But the good news is, Willie doesn't think that's coming anytime soon. So this was another banger. I know you're going to enjoy it. If you've got any questions or feedback, you know you can reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. I do reply to everyone. Outside of that, head over to Defiance. Got a really fascinating show there produced by Tom. It's the end of the drug war. You can get that at defiance.news. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and I'm going to see you all next week. Good to see you, Willie. How are you, man? I'm doing good, Peter. Doing really good. Um, so uh, it's been quite a busy month since we spoke last. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. It's been um, a bit FOMO-ish, isn't it? Um, <laughs> not much sleep over this side of things. <laughs> yeah, I can um, imagine, man. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what date it was we actually spoke. Uh, we spoke on... I've got it here. We spoke on... Tuesday the 15th of December and I'm just going to look at the price of Bitcoin Tuesday the 15th of December 15th of December okay that's taking us way back to around oh my gosh that was just before it teleported up yeah yeah so we hadn't even set the new all-time high we were just kind of Mm. like jogging around there bang we set a new all-time high we race up to 42k and now we're in this kind of like choppy area but okay like before we start, just give me your whole read, your read on that entire move. Okay, so um, you know we'd been rallying, we'd been rallying from um, kind of uh, mid October from ten thousand, eleven thousand, in that sort of premise of uh, Bitcoin's dead. It's going to go sideways for the rest of our lives, and. <laughs> um, and then, unbeknownst to us, that all, all the big whales had come in. The Michael Sailors of this world were slowly scooping up coins, and it was actually October. They kind of the, the there was a, a supply shock um, that happened, and we it caused this entire rally. And then we sort of bounced off the twenty seventeen December all time high, just around just below 20,000 and you know all the time every time we hit an all-time high there's the resistance um and we're chopping along and actually the the structure was actually sort of longer term consolidation a little bit sideways a little bit downish and then Michael Saylor suddenly decides that he's gonna raise 650 million dollars in in bonds and then um he's gonna buy bitcoin but Rather than just doing it, uh, I'm imagining he's got some compliance. Um, being a publicly traded company, he announces it to the world that he's completed the raise and is about to buy Bitcoin. And there's around $18,000. And um, immediately, all the um, all the traders on exchanges started to front run him. <laughs> and we hit, we hit that just below 20000 and it sort of wandered there for a bit, sort of wearing down the resistance and the cell walls there. And then it, the whole thing just took off and it just took off and it went straight to 23,000 in, in a matter of, oh, was it 48 hours or something? 36 or 48 hours. And front ran Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy and they announced, um, they announced a few days later they managed to complete their purchase at what was it lower 22,023 so they didn't actually get to buy in the 18s and that was sort of that zone you know when we spoke last mm. yeah well i bought i bought a bit more at 17 and a half um 
before oh. I knew Sailor was going in. I was just like, I gotta, I gotta do this. Um, you got the dip. Which was a good like. Yeah, I got the dip. I got the dip. I, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think I didn't. I think I averaged it at about seventeen eight, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But I was happy with that, and I'm not oh, a trader, that's... but. Well, if you're buying to hold, you know, that's the thing is that like it's things going to, you know, 200,000 upwards and who's going to sweat a few hundred bucks or a few thousand dollars. And exactly, I saw so many people waiting for more of a dip, more of the dip, and then they missed and then it ran to 23 and they're waiting for dips and then it ran higher and they're waiting for dips. <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah, I'm- I'm not much of a trader, but when I look at the chart, when I see certain dips, they kind of, I t- I kind of tend to look at something, and if, if I see quite a big wick, I'm kind of like that feels like a, that feels like a good dip for me to jump in when I jump in. But I, I'm like, I'm not a trader. I'm not creating lines on charts. Uh, that but that seventeen and a half just felt like a good one. It it looked like a good dip for me as a, somebody who doesn't trade actively. It felt like a a good point to long a bit more Bitcoin. All right, so that that took us over like twenty, got us comfortably into a, a new all time high, but then we pretty much doubled from there. We went up to forty two. I didn't expect mm-hmm. that, man. Did, did you expect that? Yeah, totally. Um, you did. It was ridiculously bullish, and I, I recall like there were so many people waiting for it to retest the twenty thousand dollar zone, which is you know often happens whenever you break a resistance, you retest before you're shooting up. But the just a tidal wave of money was coming in. And um, yeah, it was very visible on chain. It was that it's been very fortunate for me over this phase because um, it's a phase where um, fundamental money is coming in, and they're coming in through the spot exchanges, and you can see those flows on the blockchain. And so it's unlike the last two years where we've had a lot of exchange-driven trader activity on futures exchanges moving the price around um, right now it's dominated by real money coming in 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 great swaths and um, you can see that um, on chain and I know a lot of the technical traders have been kind of wrecked by trying to short this thing looking like it's overheated and it just get, it gets overheated it's signaling overheated and it just goes up and up and up and up and um, that's this is one of the things that Bitcoin does, you know, it, it has this habit of teleporting upwards without retesting the lows because um, it finds a new capital base to draw capital on. And we've seen this through the entire history of Bitcoin um, again and again and again, you know, like from the early days of, uh, say, Mt. Gox opening and then the price teleported up something like 10x at the time. Um, way back in those early, early days, because the whole world had access. You know, they could send Mt. Gox money and they could buy Bitcoin when previously it was very difficult to buy. And as late as um, the 2017 phase when the Winklevoss twins announced this ETF attempt and it was published on the Wall Street Journal, we had um, all these high net worth individuals that read the Wall Street Journal go, what? It's not drug money. It's not for money laundering. It's actually a legitimate investment. And we saw this influx of capital and it just moved up again and never retested down because new capital's coming in from a new source at, at a larger scale than previously. And um, that's how I, I look at what's happening right now is that we've just unlocked the next layer level of capital inflows. And it's, it's ridiculously large compared to what we've um, seen before. 
And so do you think we've got a, a new capital base around 30,000 then? Are you pretty comfortable around this area? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that we're, um, we're just in this consolidation band. The buying momentum has stopped. It's pulled back. And actually a lot of the, the pullback has been, you know, we've had such a strong rally that uh, we've had a lot of um, new people buy in under an immense amount of FOMO. And um, whenever you get these strong kind of rallies, you you get whenever it pulls back the the weak hands, the people who are aren't, <laughs> aren't very strong, they get shaken out. And um, we saw that actually, I can I can analyze this on the on the blockchain, and you can see that the coins that are moving um, right now in this consolidation band from forty two thousand down to the low of twenty nine. The um the the age of the coins that they've been you know the the vintage of these coins that have been sitting inside the wallets <laughs> have been very very young coins they haven't aged much um so it's very much these young guys well not young by age but the coins are young they just got scooped up they just got bought and then they got freaked out and they're being sold and what's mm-hmm. happening right now is the buyers are either um, very, very wealthy people, the whales that have a thousand bitcoins or more, whether they're new or not, they're very sophisticated because if you're going to hold 40 million, 30, 40 million dollars of bitcoin, you are a sophisticated investor. And we can see that um, the coins are moving to these wallets that are, um, you can on- analyze the behavior of these wallets and the they're moving to um, wallets that are controlled by um, participants that um, tend to buy and hold, tend to buy and hold without selling much. Um, so mm. it's very much this picture of weak hands selling to strong hands. And we bounced off the 29 floor and I think we're just consolidating. We're just like, you know, we've reset the overheatedness completely and we just need to sort of like wait for this think, consolidation um, to complete. I think, uh, I don't know if you saw them, that company Next Tech, who had bought something like $4 million of Bitcoin a few weeks ago. And when we had the double spend FUD the other day, they oh, sold. Yeah, the 21 cents and of they, it. Yeah, they'd made like $200,000 or something. Oh, did they? Um, okay. But yeah, yeah. The, the article said $200,000 they'd made, but it's like, and then they quoted the, the fear of the... Um, Quoted the fear of what was happening with the uh, double spend, which obviously was FUD, but was quite interesting because I, I, I almost feel like if that's sh- shaken them out, I, that almost feels like a, a CEO's decision, and either he's panicked or the board has panicked, but they weren't really in for this for the long run. They didn't, they didn't really sit down and say, okay, we need this is like a five, ten year, twenty year hold for us. Did, did are you saying that they actually? I, I have been keeping up with the news. Um, I actually don't follow the news much because <laughs> it throws yeah. me off. But uh, are you saying that they actually announced that they sold because yeah, of the, listen to the this. double spin? Got it here. Uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, Next Tech AR Solutions, a leading provider of augmented reality. Blah 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 blah. Uh, today announced that it sold its Bitcoin ownership of approximately 130 bitcoins. And booked approximately two hundred thousand dollar profit. Theo comments our investment in Bitcoin in the past was part of a capital diversification strategy with the intent to maximize long term value for our shareholders. The sale reflects our awareness that someone potentially has changed that something has potentially changed with Bitcoin. 
which is seen as the digital version of gold. This news has emerged that a critical flaw called a double spend may have occurred, which if true, allows someone to spend the same Bitcoin, undermining faith in the system. <laughs> so they actually quoted the double spend. Oh, well, this um, is um, actually from that. This is all I read. Uh, all I, from the entire <laughs> article, all I read is how many Bitcoins do they have and how much they profit they book. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. okay, they bought enough Bitcoins, which was... Um, three and a half million or so dollars worth of bitcoins and they booked a two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollar profit which means <laughs> they've held these coins for a very short amount of time mm. you know if you, anyone who has you know three and a half million dollars of bitcoin knows that their their balance fluctuates by roughly that two hundred thousand um, dollar balance within days so um they were one of these weak hand sellers that um came in mm and change their minds um yeah so. it was funny I was, I was talking to dan held dan held last night and uh, we did a show talking about like cycles and i said it's it's really funny these cycles because um you really have to experience a full cycle yourself just to mm. become comfortable with it uh, i was explaining how my first proper cycle the 2017 one i kept making that stupid mistake where the price would go up, up, and you're like, "Shit, I should, I should have bought some." You buy it, and then it drops. You're like, "Oh shit, it's dropping." I should sell it, and you just kind of, you almost start day trading like a panicking idiot, or even, you know. And now I've been in it for like a full four years. Um, you know, you see a drop from forty-two to thirty or twenty-eight and a half, whatever. You're like, oh, "Okay, yeah, Bitcoin's doing this thing," but you have to go. Th- I, I th- yeah, you can't. Exactly. You can't teach somebody that. They just have to experience it. Yeah, you can see it on the chart, but you you need to be exposed to the the emotional um, ride of it before you get that kind of intestinal fortitude to really be in this um, asset, um, which is the highest. Um, highest return in the world, the highest risk adjusted return in the world. Um, but, um, yeah, to be, to be able to get those kind of returns, you have to be very able to handle the volatility because there's no kid gloves in the real world out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you, so I've got a personal question before you get going. Something I wanted to ask you, how much do you look at macroeconomic data versus on-chain data are you just primarily taking your read from on-chain or are you looking at wider macroeconomic data uh i've found that um the only the only bit of information i pull in from macro is um the dxi which is the us dollar index because that's the only one that i see a very high correlation to bitcoin with outside of that there's a lot of macroeconomic stuff um, that, that floats around and a lot of it's narrative because there's no data. There's Well, the data isn't very prominent. It's like such and such is going to have this policy. And with that kind of stuff, I think it's very, it's not very precise and the timing's not so great. And there's narrative of like, if this happened, then that might happen, then this might happen. So... That, I think, really, for myself, I, I captured that on chain because all I'm looking for is are people selling or are people buying? Um, no matter what happens on that machine, which is um, relatively amorphous and slower in its um, time frames, so you can't really make a decision over the next three weeks or six weeks what to do. But what you can do is if that impacts buying and selling right now, 
you can um, you can see that on chain, and then you can immediately know within two to three to six weeks which direction the price may go because of it. Um, so, you know, short answer is no. I don't really look at the the majority of the macro, but I do look at the stuff that's tightly correlated, um, which is the US dollar index is the only thing that is highly correlated right now. All right. Okay. Because I was um, looking through Twitter before we spoke, and a few of the, like you say, the technical traders, they all seem quite bearish. And I'm seeing quite a few people calling 24, 25K as a potential next uh, step down. <laughs> but you've also, when you're looking on chain, yeah, see, so you're laughing. You, for you, the, this kind of like period of profit taken has completed. So if it was to take that step down, what 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 read would you get on that? Is that people actually then selling it at a loss? Is there something weird going on there? Um, the only times these kind of on-chain models I've experienced break is in um, like the COVID white swan. Um, yeah. And a lot of that is like very, very short time frame stuff where everyone freaks out and they dump. And normally what happens is that they go really down into a deep pit and then it rebounds and it comes back to the norm of what the fundamentals say but that was you know that is a um, one in 100 year pandemic and we saw that and um, mm -hmm. it broke the models but that's what a black swan is meant to do it's meant to break all your models um, we're not I don't think we're what well, like if that happens then the model's either broken <laughs> or something we've hit a black swan um, so I, I've been doing these tweets lately where you know, I've had a lot of pushback on them because they say, you never say never. And I've been saying, you know, we'll never go below 20,000. It will take a black swan to go under X amount. It changes every mm -hmm. every week. Um, and people say that's really foolish. But what I like to do is put something falsifiable out there so that if you're wrong, someone can point you out. Because you can say something that's, you know, fluffy. Um, and so one of the things is, Right now, it would take, for me, um, under the models I have, it would take a black swan to push the price below essentially what we bottomed out at in the $29,000 range on a daily close. Um, maybe slightly a little bit below, but um, it would really take something extreme. And that's based on the amount of money that's come in. Um, and technical traders, these are kind of mechanical machines that look at um, assets when they're up overheated or down and actually a lot of these were designed on stock exchanges stock markets commodity markets where these things trade at saturation and bitcoin's like this tiny little startup that's like two percent of the world and it's it's going for it you know it's going to get to 30 percent, maybe 50 percent, maybe 100 percent, like the internet adoption curve and so um, you have this really strong bullish pressure upwards and you're going to have a lot of, they, and they, we, you, you'll notice, you know, you've been in this for a cycle now, you'll notice they, mm -hmm. they do these crazy step changes up and that sort yep. of consolidates and it goes up again. And, um, and so most majority of the time you will see the needle go to overheated red if you're a technical trader. Um, this stuff works really well in short time frames. But when you pull out to multiple multiple days and weeks, they tend to break down um, quite a lot, quite often. Um, but I, I enjoy that 
there's people in the market that are expecting bearishness because um, time to buy that helps um, the bull side of it. Um, when so many people are shorting, um, it it actually allows the price to rise. Um, funnily enough, um, just the way the derivative markets work. So, can you explain that so other people would understand? Okay. For example, um, well, if let's say the majority of the market is bearish, okay, um, the majority of the market is bearish. What happens is suddenly it becomes very, very profitable to take the other side of the trade um, because it, anyone who's in a trade, we're not talking fundamental investors here. We're talking about people who are going to bet on one side of the 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 um, the trade. Um, and they will always put a a stop loss. Essentially, if the price goes the, in the other direction, I'm getting out of the trade. So if I've sold X amount of um, asset, a Bitcoin, which I don't actually have, um, I'm going to exit that trade and buy back if it goes above a certain range. And so when the majority starts to come down and short this thing, and you'll, you'll read this on the funding rates, it becomes very, very um, expensive to short. And you'll see the amount of um, contracts that have been put in position. When you see that and everyone's short and the, um, the open interest is what we call the number of contracts on the market are very high, it is incredibly lucrative for someone who has... Uh, well, a, a lot of funding to just keep buying up Bitcoin until the price pushes over the the stop loss limit, and then you this is what we call a short squeeze. Yeah. So essentially, it's super lucrative. Um, and actually, um, there's a whole there's a whole strategy around trading where you squeeze um, short or long out, long squeeze, short squeeze. And so now we've got very um, high volume um, futures trading um yeah it, it just becomes like if whenever you see the market go in one direction there's no way those guys will ever make money because there's too much money on the line to to take the money off those guys right, so okay. you'll notice that um if anyone's trading bitcoin it's very well known that whenever the funding rates go in one direction the price has to go the other it's very seldom can it move you were looking for these windows like for right now we're waiting for a window where everyone's scared um, because whenever the price drops um, a little and then it starts to move up, everyone starts longing. And what we're looking for is people who are like um, this kind of phase where people are so defeated and scared to go long. That's when the price will go up um, in the short in the short <laughs> so, term right. time frames. Yeah, yeah, it's a game, you know. And, right. Um, okay. So right it's, now, it's, for it, it's, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say. So right now, if it keeps dipping around, like. If it looks like it's struggling around this 30k mark, you just keep trying to shake people out. Keep trying to shake people out. Yeah, how privileged are we? Or they get bored or whatever, you know. That's it. (laughs) How 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 privileged are we to be pissed off at 30k? I know. It's like that's. Yeah, no. And like, if you zoom out of this, I'm looking at the long range chart. it's just so such a tiny little consolidation and you need that. Like if it didn't yeah, consolidate, yeah. I'd be very scared. Um, right, so, yeah. Willie's long then, so I'm going to stay long. The problem is I, <laughs> I never trade anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. It's saying on, um, on TradingView, it's got the, uh, it's saying it's neutral at the moment in terms of the chart. 
Uh, let me have a look. I haven't been um, looking at the charts for the last at least um, 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how reliable it is. Next up, I talk to Willie more about on-chain data and the market. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, let's talk about Kraken, my favorite place for buying and selling Bitcoin. And it's the only place I use right now for buying and selling Bitcoin. Now, Kraken does some things that absolutely sets them apart from everyone else. They are consistently rated the best and most secure crypto exchange. And I'm always telling you how important security is to me. They also have the best in class in customer service. So if you've got an issue, whatever it is, whoever you are, wherever you are, if you reach out to them, they are going to get that fixed for you. And if you want to start trading Bitcoin, they have all the tools you could possibly need. So whatever your level of experience, if you head over to Kraken.com, it could not be easier to sign up and start trading Bitcoin. They also have a beautiful mobile first app so you can buy Bitcoin on the go. And with their margin trading, futures and OTC desk, Kraken has every option covered for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at Kraken.com or download the app. It's available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Also, let's talk about BlockFi, the future of Bitcoin and financial services, and their massive announcement that happened before Christmas. They are imminently going to be launching their Bitcoin Visa Rewards credit card, which will allow you to earn a market-leading 1.5% rewards rate in Bitcoin on all card purchases. I am so excited about this. Stacking sats with all your card purchases. Waitlist registration is now open to all registered BlockFi clients. And if you want to join the list, then you just need to open up a BlockFi account. They do have a public waitlist that is going to be open very soon as well. So keep an eye on that. And if you are interested in checking out BlockFi, I do recommend you do your own research, then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. All right, so listen, look, I've been um, I've been diving through your email uh, quite a bit. By the mm. way, anyone listen to this, just go and sign up to Willie's email, listen to this, uh, go and check it out in the show notes. It's fucking brilliant. Um, really helpful, but I do have a couple of questions. Um, mm. Can you explain to me what is responsive capital flow modeling? Oh no! It's, it's 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 just layman's term. The the um, it's I'm modeling the capital that's coming into Bitcoin, um, and it's just a very responsive model. So um, typically, a lot of the models we use, um, you get this sort of zigzag, zigzag, zigzag um, because things fluctuate a lot. And so, a lot of what we do is we run a moving average over it to smooth it out. Um, to see the greater trend without the noise and trying to improve the signal to the noise. And that, in effect, creates um, a lag. And so if things are suddenly going bullish, you won't know about it till a number of days or weeks later. Um, and so this model is actually a very smooth model. Um, we're looking at the capital coming in. Um, and you don't have to do that kind of smoothing on it and to get signal because it is very high high signal coming on it coming in from it and so there's absolutely no lag on it and so you know like for example technical traders who are listening to this might think you know um, we might use a moving average support because normally when the, the price outstrips the moving average it will come back and retest it but that's not very responsive um, well this model it just well with how much money came in okay and it, it you know teleports the the floor price upwards, for, so to speak. So that's all. It's responsive. Um, so I can be very, very, um, 
I guess confident in 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 its um its readouts. Um, yeah, it's it's a tight model. Right. Okay. And then the next thing I wanted to ask you about was the SOPR chart. Ah, SOPR. Yeah. Yeah, because I saw a couple of people post this up on Twitter as well. Can you explain what that is to me? I'm going to open it up okay. myself as well. So SOPR is the latest. I always think of soap. <laughs> SOPR <laughs> is spent spent profit output ratio, which is a very Renato. Um, <laughs> he's he's a very technical guy. He he created. He just called it what it actually is. If you're really technical, um, you're looking at essentially within a day. You're looking mm-hmm. at the coins that have moved uh, within that day, and so you want to look at how much profit did they carry at the point in which you know when you look at the coin that moves. Just the way the Bitcoin works is that you actually know when those coins arrived in the wallet, and so you're looking at essentially how much profit did that that person, that investor, have when they moved it out of their wallet. Essentially, they spent it spent this and so this is a ratio of the the profit to loss pe- and when it reaches one that means that the coins changing hands between people that day investors that day carry no profit mm. on average so okay. um, in layman's terms it's essentially um, a readout of profit taking and we will notice that SOPR starts to climb higher and higher and higher and higher as the price rallies because anyone interacting on those coins, they, they, they've, they've made some profit. So anyone who moves their coins will have this, this profit with it. And what happens with SOPR is that once the price starts to dip, SOPR starts to dip because there's less profit to be made. And, and so in a general market, when the price starts to drop, um, the people who are in profit want to take their profit off the table and they want to capture it, so they sell. That adds to the sell pressure, and you get this sort of compounding effect where the price drops and then there's more sellers, and price drops, more sellers, and we can track this on SOPA saying, seeing, oh, these guys are taking profits off the table, and eventually it hits this 1.0 line in the ratio of, Profit to losses are exactly the same, and it means the market has no more profit to sell, and then that's when we've reset. Like people don't want to sell at a loss, so that allows the price to move up, and that's the reset that we look for. It very rarely goes under one. It, it only goes under one in, a, in sort of bearish phases of the cycle. It does not go under one in the main phase of the bull market. Um, it, it may dip slightly below it, and that is the point to sell. To, sorry, to buy, and we we reached that just a few days ago. Um, we we've totally reset Soper on at least the short time frame one day chart. Um, Soper does not reset on the long fr- like weekly chart at all um, to right. the top of the market. Is this uh, how much do you compare previous cycles as well? Because there was a chart put up by Crypto Cobain where he basically showed the first thirty percent dip of seventeen, and it looked very similar on the chart to the the dip that we've just had now. Do you look at that? Uh, you know, I I do look at previous cycles, all previous cycles, but I don't like to look at it just on the price domain. Like there's there's a lot of fractaling. Mm-hmm. 
in this this price pattern, that price pattern. But um, what I do is I look underneath the price pattern. I look at different domains of it. So whether it's the volume happening on chain or um, like the SOPA or, you know, any number of models that's looking at different aspects of that network. Um, and then we'll, we can compare it on that domain. It's like, and so sometimes you get this the price looking very, very similar but the drivers underneath on the network and how um, investors are interacting are completely different. So um, whenever you see patterns of that, um, and you know we can see, for example, for Sopra, we can see every time in a bull market it hits a 1.0 line and the price rallies upwards. And that's a very strong model. And I'm looking back over all the previous cycles. And I, I, I like to see it from... I mean, all of them. So this is the fourth cycle. I want to see the third cycle, the second and the first cycle, because each one of those cycles had a completely different dynamic. But if you can find something that's repetitive across all of it, you've got something that's probably going to work in this cycle because the cycle is completely different as well. Mm. It feels like uh, this cycle, one of the things that's different is that we've got some strong hands coming in to buy who will be holding for years, maybe never selling. This, the, mm. you know, I was reading about the endowments buying yesterday. I've been reading about different companies buying, obviously Michael Saylor, Ruffers. These don't feel, Mass Mutual as well. These don't feel like companies are going to be selling next year for a, for a profit. These feel like the kind of companies who might realize that it's probably the best asset of their own, the last one they should sell. It feels just like the strongest hands we could possibly have. Is, is mm -hmm. there anything you're seeing in the data that reflects that? Uh, not yet. I, like a lot of this on-chain stuff can tell us where we are in the market. Um, the four-year cycle that's very it's very good for that. It can also tell us where the price might move within the next, um, you know, two to three weeks. It might tell us where it might move in the next three months. But that window of what um, will happen at the next top and after it, it it I can't see it yet um i can get a maybe a, a timing signature but i can't see the high resolution interaction of the investors right and so i have to wait until we get closer yeah so anything around that would be just narrative and guesswork okay and what is this uh mother of all impulses <laughs> oh yeah i have this chart and i call it amorphously um what did i call it coins um Bitcoin's changing hands. So it's a really a measure of essentially that, <laughs> how much of, <laughs> of Bitcoin supply is changing hands between investors. Um, and like, well, what you'll notice is if you look at it in that domain, you get these impulses of um, coins moving between investors. And they, they do these little pulses. And mm. the pulses, um, they're like little pushes on the price. And you'll see it whenever the price goes up and then it changes direction sideways or maybe it goes down or there's always a little impulse and there's like, oh, there's a peak activity of investors moving. And one side of those, one side of the trade, because like there's buyers and sellers and one side is going to be the smarter side and they'll push it in another direction. And um, so you can look at the scale of those, those impulses, the, the, the stronger the push the more the price goes in a direction, you know, there's a really strong push, like the mother of all, all impulses like we have. Um, mm. 
have had um then the price goes wee <laughs> and that was the that was the uh, 20,000 to the 40,000 wee we saw it just squirted this thing outwards um, there was a ridiculous amounts of investment activity moving and then it was all FOMO buying um, buying buying not all FOMO obviously but like a lot of it buying um, so we we're just pulling out of there what sorry was that we could see a lot more of that this year, right? We could see, yeah, because one of the interesting things is how quickly the price moves up now. Like you could, you could, you could go up. I think we have like a couple of like five thousand dollar daily candles, which is huge. Yeah, it's. Um, I think that the. I mean, this is getting pretty common on Twitter talking about this being the twenty thirteen cycle. Um, and I think that's 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 a good fair statement. I mean, even okay. back in twenty uh, when was it twenty nineteen at the bottom of the bear, it was already starting to look like a twenty thirteen, just by how fast everything was. Um, like the accumulation at the bottom of the market was very much looking like a twenty thirteen, and now, yeah, I mean, fundamentally, if you think about twenty thirteen, that was the first really major bull market when Mt. Gox was online and then we had the halvening and we had the halvening and a global exchange that could take all the world's money and we had the first full bull run with this next level scale of money that was not um, Silk Road dealers or <laughs> cypherpunk uh, miners and people in the know that figured out how to buy Bitcoin with a pizza. Um, this was 2013 was the first year the entire world could actually go and buy. You know, this is like bit instant days. I think maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. But that mm. that created this immense tidal wave of um, capital that flowed into Bitcoin like it had never seen before. And when you see these, you know, the price just wants to go and climb a, a sheer vertical wall. And um, it's like, it's almost like this thing in physics, like wherever you um, you have this crazy ride of capital pushing it, it, it does these waves. And, you'll, and even traders will see this in very short time frames when suddenly the thing rips up bullish. It shoots up and then there's a wave and it, goes higher and it goes a wave and it goes higher and 2013 was like that there's this new tidal wave of money coming in it hit a wave consolidated and then moved to the next one and the first one bitcoin experience had five waves which is not many people have those price charts because it was pre-mount costs but that's actually what happened right. and i feel i think that's the same here we've got this same tidal wave of money coming in but it's corporate money Yep, it's, it's institutional. Right? Oh, it's actually, um, you know, it, we think that the main narrative has been the Michael Saylors and the Black Rocks of this world. But, um, like, what I've been seeing on chain is that it's not. Um, okay. Like, uh, like MicroStrategy bought $650 million worth of uh, Bitcoin uh, around the $22,000 range um, the following week. We had, I think it was like $10, 15000000000 billion in seven days coming afterwards. And that was not um, one institution setting low bids and waiting for, waiting for the market coming to them. It was 
immense numbers of these high net worth individuals coming in and competing each other trying to buy some of this because they had the validation. Like right. we, we saw this immense um, explosion of um, not only new people come in, but very high net worth um, purchases coming in on chain. Um, whale numbers exploded. Um, by the There was hundreds of whales being birthed, um, which is like people who hold more than a thousand <laughs> bitcoins. So we had a whale spawning season. (laughs) And so, yeah. Love um. it. That's interesting. I guess, I mean, I guess there's a lot of people around the world who've got a lot of money and seeing about Bitcoin and realizing they need to have some exposure to this. And I guess it's very easy to do. So perhaps more of the corporate stuff is uh, still to come. Um, I'm not sure if we'll have a three. I mean, like you can imagine like you're, you're, you're sitting there with like, what, maybe you're sitting with $200 million of net worth and you take your financial advice from maybe um, people like the chief investment officer of BlackRock <laughs> and suddenly he says, yeah, no, this is worth investing in. And then you realize the price is running away and um, you need to get your exposure on. And, you know, so definitely within um, friends that are, inside the family office scene they've seen unprecedented amounts of um, one million dollar purchases of um, you know multi-millionaires that need exposure which they haven't bothered with for such a long time it's like they needed the validation yeah well i guess they have that now and that's an interesting thing this year and again i was talking about this with dan last night is that 2013 when i my first exposure to bitcoin was very limited i was i was just using silk road and trading cfds i don't know what it was and didn't really care and then 17 i still had this kind of like oh this still doesn't feel legit probably going to be banned the regulators are probably going to ban this at some point i think we're past all that now we kind of have yeah we have that validation now uh kind of globally we've got bitcoin markets in pretty much every country in the world uh, the trading volumes are high We've got institutional grade products. We've got yeah, we've got I nation mean, states mining Bitcoin. It's all and if you look at um, the policies being um, implemented now, it's like the regulation is pro Bitcoin and is mm. is part of the um, the financial infrastructure moving forward. The US seems to want that. How will you know if there's a market top? Is there any way of telling that? Yeah, it's pretty easy. Really. <laughs> Um, so I guess you want more information on that. Okay. So generally in a market top is the buyer stop coming in. Uh, market tops is not formed by sellers. It's market tops are formed by no one else coming in to buy at that extremely high price. And, um, you actually notice that in, in the volatility of the asset, normally you have buyers and sellers and they auction back and forth. Right. And, um, once you don't have buyers, there's no floor on the price and it can shoot right down and things just chops around. And so buyers start reducing. If you're, um, say, Kraken, you'll probably get heads up because less people are coming in to um, sign up on new users' accounts. We'll see it on chain by um, a reduction of the rate of incoming users. And, you know, we can see all the little wallets coming in and clustering like, oh, that's a person, that's a person. And we can count those people and you'll see how that's rising or, um, you know, in the tail end of the bull market, 
the thing goes into mania, you know, it's like everyone's just, you know, it's like the, the zombie apocalypse. They're just running towards Bitcoin and you'll see this huge spike in, in numbers and at a certain point it starts to drop. It starts to decay and um, you get a pretty good warning one to two weeks before that happens, maybe a month. Yeah, well, you're in heightened alert. Um, you get a pretty good signature on that. Um, so yeah, uh, that's how you you do it. You look at the the user numbers coming in. You can look at the capital flows coming in as well. They start to pull back, and the the trick is to really. It's really hard to tell a, a market top from a consolidation because you'll see a signature similar. Mm-hmm. But um, but there's certain differences. Like right now, the the capital coming in is slowing, but the um, amount of people coming in is as high as it can be, and so people coming in and buying all of this stuff. So it's definitely it's really early. And the other thing is right now we have an incredible number of whales coming in um, and buying and new whales being birthed. And you can look back on all the cycles and the whales come in early in the cycle and they start selling near the tail end of the cycle. Um, And, you know, if if you've got, you know, whatever, 50, well, by that time it would be like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of Bitcoin. Uh, you, you can't actually wait till after the top. You have to sell into the top. And when you start to see the whales start to reduce um, their uh, their uh, balances, then you know that we're now in that final phase. So these are all these sort of signatures you can see. And I guess some whales will reduce their position, but they're not going to... Some of them are, won't be able to sell out the whole position because if all the whales start selling out the whole position, it'll crash the market too much right there's a kind of a balance to strike and it that's where you get those big chops yeah i think every whale's different um and i think they invest for different reasons and they'll have their you know i, I t- totally can see that some whales may sell completely a thousand bitcoins the wallet can the sorry the the market can swallow a thousand bitcoins um it just if you're the first whale <laughs> so the early whales might sell more um it's possible um like the first ones to sell so yeah i think it'll be varied between whales but yeah i'll have to um, uh i'll have to monitor monitor my show downloads once i start to see a slowdown in the growth because right now i've got poof, once i start to see it slow down i'll be like willie got a signal here dude yeah i mean that's uh, I like i'm kind of this is my um this will be my second full-on i i entered bitcoin at Really, when Mount Gox um, made headlines, I didn't know what it was. And then someone told me, um, one of the developers in our startup told me what it, what Bitcoin was. And so I managed to buy the dip at $600. And then I, and I did research later. But so, but that was my, I entered in a bear cycle. I only really had the one full bull cycle of 2017. And I've learned that all my learning is really from the 2017 bull cycle and kind of back tracing it. So I'm kind of very much interested to see in live trading and a live market um, scenario, how, whether or not I can figure out how close I can get to the top. Um, The last top I actually did, 
I did actually have a strategy around it using um, MVT, which was the first um, on-chain indicator to de- determine what was a you know the BFAs versus a consolidation. So that that worked quite well. All right, so we'll have to see if it plays out again then. yeah. Have you uh, changed your top price target yet? I mean, what was it you were saying, 400 potentially? Oh, the top price target is, um, you know, I, I don't have a target like um, stock to flow. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's what we call mean reversion. You know, it's just basically this thing starts to move with the price each day so it can continually adjust and we can kind of look at the trajectory and... It's above two hundred thousand currently, and three hundred, two to three hundred is the sweet spot. But I don't have enough price action data to. I'd like to see how this thing goes for the next three to six months, and yeah. then we'll have something very solid because um, it'll get closer and closer to the top target. Um, obviously, when we get well, closer. that's uh, that's in uh, I think he's range plan B's range because I think his was like. What was his like two eight eight? So yeah, cool, man. Well, I look, think, um, it's all consigning. Um, like I yeah. do wonder if we get to four hundred these days or five hundred if this continues. The amount of capital coming in is ridiculous. Hmm. Anything else before we close out that you're looking at? Anything else I should be keeping an eye on? I just sit and ride this beauty out. You should keep an eye on everything. <laughs> um. You know, I, uh, what am I keeping? Uh, you know, what right now is is like Bitcoin is currently in a consolidation band. It's in the lower side of the consolidation band. The thing to keep an eye out on right now is when we break this. Like, when will that happen? Will it happen in a week when Grayscale um, finishes their uh, their next um, what is it unlock cycle of of that of their. Uh, it's always been bullish whenever the, the initial investors that put in and put in capital and got shares, they can unlock and then go and buy more Bitcoin with the capital. And that unlocks is at 3rd of February. Um, right. So if we could shoot up from there or whether we bounce up and down, that's the thing I'm looking for right now is mm-hmm. how long will this consolidation last for? Right. Well, listen, tell people where they can go and sign up to your email and I'll... Uh... I'll put it in the um, the show notes anyway. Okay, so um, you can go visit me on Twitter on Woonomic, uh, and you can look on the profile page, or you can go straight to willywoo.substack.com. That's my newsletter over there. Uh, we put out a newsletter every two. Now it's sort of like two weeks, but there are two to four weeks when the on-chain structure changes. It gives you a good read of where the price may go within the next two to four weeks, and um, certainly gives you a good readout of um, where we are in the bull cycle. Wicked, wicked. Well, it's listen, early. I'll put that in the show notes. Well, yeah, that's what I feel Perfect. like. I'll put it in the show notes, get people to download it. Um, anyway, Willie, look, man, thanks for coming on. Look forward to doing this next month. And, uh, yeah, have a have a good month of trading. And hopefully next time we speak, it'll be another all-time high again. That'll be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, it will be. <laughs> All right, man, take care. Catch ya. All right, how was that one? Are you feeling bullish? I felt very, very bullish after that show. Now, I know there are a lot of newcomers to Bitcoin right now getting a little bit nervous with this big dip. Look, I went through it in 2017. Every time Bitcoin ran up and dropped back, I would panic. I'd be thinking, shit, is this it? Is it over? Has it died? 
And then I adjusted my strategy to go, oh, look, I don't care. I'm going to hold for 10 years. Maybe I'll hold forever. But this is how it works. This is what Bitcoin does. These big dips are par for the course. And hopefully hearing Willie talk about the on-chain data metrics still looking bullish helps with that. And fingers crossed, we will see something near his price target, which would be pretty amazing. Anyway, listen, thanks for listening. As I said, the month is uh, about to finish. I've smashed through half a million downloads the first time, which is just freaking incredible. And I couldn't do it without all of you. I hope you enjoyed this show. If you've got any questions, you can reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. If you want to support the show, iTunes reviews. That's all I ever ask for these days. Just head over to iTunes. Give me a review. It really helps with the ranking of the show. Also, head over to Defiance. Check out The End of the Drug War, a new show produced by Tom. That's it, defiance.news. Have a great rest of your weekend, and I will see you all next week. <laughs>